Word on Health, the report with its finger on the pulse of popular medicine with Paul Pennington. Word on Health, for your very best of health. Classed as our fourth most common cancer and our second biggest cancer killer, with nearly 43,000 people diagnosed with bowel cancer each year and with survival rates boosted by early diagnosis, you'd have thought in our information technology-driven age that more of us would be aware of the signs and symptoms of bowel cancer. But sadly, we're not. As a study for the charity Bowel Cancer UK, conducted with a representative sample of the UK, has confirmed. Dr Lisa Wilde is the charity's Director of Research and External Affairs. From Bowel Cancer UK's perspective, it was really shocking. 45% of people that we surveyed can't name a single symptom of bowel cancer, not one. One of the key red flag symptoms is blood in your poo. Only a third of people aware of it and there's very low awareness in the other main symptoms of bowel cancer so changing your bowel habits only about 10% of people could name that pain in your tummy around 10% and unexplained fatigue which is quite common in a lot of cancers only 2% of people surveyed named that half of UK men were unable to spot any signs of bowel cancer compared to 36% of women Lisa bowel cancer is most commonly associated with the over 50s but not exclusively I understand Two and a half thousand people who are diagnosed under 50, but the vast majority of them are aged over 50, and it tends to be fairly equally split between men and women. So if you have bleeding from your bottom or have blood in your poo, have persistent and unexplained changing bowel habits, unexplained weight loss for no obvious reason, or a pain or lump in your tummy, get yourself along to your GP. Likelihood is it won't be bowel cancer, but as the saying goes, if in doubt, get it checked out. Finally, Lisa, I know you want to emphasise the importance of the NHS bowel cancer screening programme. For those people that are eligible for screening, and depending on where you live in the UK, the age range is slightly different. It ranges from between 50 and 60, depending on if you're in Scotland, England, Wales or Northern Ireland. If you get a screening test through the post, please take part because if you pick up bowel cancer through screening, you will more than likely detect it at that earlier stage where it can be treated and it's curable. But it also can find polyps, which are non-cancerous growths, which may develop into bowel cancer in the future. So the screening test can be preventative too. My grateful thanks to Dr. Lisa Wilde from Bowel Cancer UK. For further information on this story, log on to our website site www.wordandhealth.com that's www.wordandhealth.com you can find us on facebook or follow us on twitter our address being at word on health word on health for your very best of health With the increased financial pressures that all families are encountering together with uncertainty about COVID and travel rules, research shows two out of five of us who can afford to holiday this year plan a staycation rather than venturing overseas, with a significant proportion looking to use their cars to get to their destination. Of those planning a long car journey, two out of three were unaware of the risk of deep vein thrombosis from sitting virtually static in a long car, coach or train journey. Damien Honey is a chartered physiotherapist. 
sitting puts considerable stress on the body. The most serious health consequence can be compromised circulation where a DVT or a blood clot could form. This could be potentially fatal if a part of that clot breaks off and travels to the lungs. What are the telltale signs of DVT? Swelling of the calf, different from the normal sort of mild ankle swelling that you might experience with a long-haul flight. It can often be red and it's particularly painful when you actually walk. If you're concerned that you have the signs and symptoms, report to your GP as soon as possible. If you're abroad, seek medical advice from the nearest possible outlet. So what can we do to help ourselves? It's important to drink plenty of water. Dehydration is a risk factor for the development of DVT, so try and drink one glass every one to two hours. Try to avoid overeating or excessive caffeine or alcohol consumption prior to or during the journey. Keep active and try and make use of rest stops. If you are able to sleep on your journey, ensure you're in a comfortable position and that your legs are not pushed tightly together or against the seat. Try and wear loose clothing and avoid crossing your legs to reduce additional pressure on various parts of the body. What about sitting posture? Make sure that you've adjusted your seat to upright so that you're sitting with your bottom touching the back of the chair. Your hips and knees should be as close to 90 degrees as possible. If not, make sure that you're taking some weight through your feet so that your back isn't too overloaded. Try and make sure that your upper back is against the top of the chair and if the hollow of your back is not supported, try a rolled up towel or a lumbar roll to maintain your normal spinal curve and make sure your head's upright and not looking down. If we find ourselves having to sit statically for a long period of time, are there exercises we can do that might help? I recommend maybe every half an hour or so pumping your feet up and down, tensing your thigh and buttock muscles and raising each knee to try and relieve pressure on the back of the thigh. My grateful thanks to Damien Honey. For further information on this story, log on to our website, www.wordandhealth.com. That's www.wordandhealth.com. You can find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Our address being at Word on Health. Keeping you in touch with the health and lifestyle issues that matter. This is Word on Health with Paul Pennington. Anaphylaxis is an extreme and severe allergic reaction. The whole body is affected, often within minutes of exposure to the allergen, but sometimes after hours. Dr Adam Fox is a London-based consultant paediatric allergist. My patients tell me that it's intensely frightening. In fact, often they describe a sense of impending doom that something awful is about to happen and then get this nasty sensation of being very, very itchy. They get swelling around their mouth, sometimes around their eyes. And if they're unlucky enough to be having a really severe reaction, they can have difficulty in breathing. And that's something that we particularly see in kids, whereas in adults, they may drop their blood pressure so you can start feeling confused and woozy and then then collapse. Do we know what causes this reaction? The most common in the UK is food. So, for example, allergy to peanuts or to milk or egg or shellfish, but sometimes medication, so, for example, penicillin antibiotics can cause it, and even being stung by a bee or a wasp. So how do we treat it? Ideally, it needs to be treated very, very quickly as a medical emergency because it's life-threatening if it's left unattended. The ideal is if somebody around has got an adrenaline auto-injector, so an EpiPen or an AnaPen, then quick treatment and prompt treatment with one of those usually sorts things out pretty quickly. But as soon as you've used one of those, make sure you call an ambulance. Of course, that's not something you get in your standard first aid kit. I understand if you are with someone who has an anaphylactic reaction, you must act quickly, lying them down with their legs raised to help keep their blood pressure up. If you're at risk of having an anaphylaxis, be it because of a food allergy or an allergy to insect stings, then if you've been looked after properly, you'd have been provided with one of these EpiPens or AnaPens. However, we do know that lots of our patients who have got them don't always carry them around with them, and sometimes they're out of date as well. I read that one in three people prescribed adrenaline injectors are likely to have an out-of-date device. If you 
do find that they are out of date and somebody's having an allergic reaction, you're probably better off using one that's out of date rather than not using it at all. But obviously the ideal is to be prepared in the first instance and not let that happen. My grateful thanks to Dr. Adam Fox. For further information on this story, log on to our website, www.wordandhealth.com. That's www.wordandhealth.com. You can find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Our address being at Word on Health. Word on Health. Feel very best of health. Within two years, it's expected that the number of people living with dementia in the UK will exceed 1 million, up from the current 920,000. Research shows it's become our number one health fear, overtaking cancer. Dementia is a syndrome associated with an ongoing decline of brain functioning. There are many different causes and many different types. Rachel Thompson is professional and practice development lead for Admiral Nursing with Dementia UK. The majority of people who develop dementia are people who are in their 70s, 80s. However, there are some people who develop dementia when they're younger. There's still relatively a small proportion of people, but it is important to recognise that it isn't just an illness of old age. Talk us through the most common types. Alzheimer's disease is the most common type of dementia. It accounts for just over 60% of the different types. The other most common form is vascular dementia. There are people who have conditions such as high blood pressure or have heart conditions. They're increasingly at risk. We have Lewy body dementia. The symptoms are slightly different. You still might have problems with memory, but you might have things like problems with balance. Sometimes people see things that aren't there, so have visual hallucinations. May have problems with sleeping at night. Another type of dementia that commonly affects younger people something called frontotemporal dementia that part of the brain controls our emotions and our social functioning so people will say the memory isn't the first thing that they notice it might be somebody is perhaps much more irritable than usual or behave in an unusual way that can be particularly difficult to cope with there are a number of other very very unusual types of dementia but i think the other thing we have to watch out currently is alcohol related dementia because alcohol does have an effect on the brain We're all prone to the odd memory lapse when we get older. When should we be concerned? Sometimes as we get older, the way that we store memory isn't as effective. So that's something that we should expect. The other thing that often happens is that as we get older, we're often very busy and we're not concentrating quite so much. The difference between that and when somebody is beginning to develop cognitive impairment, which means a type of dementia, is that it goes beyond the just forgetting simple things. It might be that actually you forget something, but you can't recall it at all. Whereas as we get older, we'll forget something immediately perhaps a couple of hours later we'll go aha I remember what that was now so that's the difference and also it might be other things like forgetting things that really you wouldn't expect to forget like the names of objects or you go to a familiar place and you can't find your way around According to the Alzheimer's Society, around 4 in 10 cases of dementia may be prevented by addressing lifestyle factors throughout your life, such as eating a balanced diet, staying physically and mentally active, keeping blood pressure and cholesterol in check, and not smoking. All these can help keep our brains healthy. I know a huge amount of time and effort is going into research on the various forms of dementia. Where are we at now in terms of a cure? There's not a cure. There are, however, treatments for people who have an Alzheimer's-type dementia. And for the other types of dementia, particularly vascular dementias, then we can do things that can help slow down the progression. My grateful thanks to Rachel Thompson. For further information on this story, log on to our website, www.wordandhealth.com. That's www.wordandhealth.com. You can find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Our address being at Word on Health. Word on Health. 
On air and online 52 weeks of the year with Paul Pennington. Word on health. Your personal prescription for your very best of health. Studies show of the 2.5 million people currently living with cancer across the UK, an estimated one in three patients with cancer attending outpatients are at nutritional risk, and up to 83% of patients experience malnutrition during the course of their disease, depending on the type of cancer, treatment, and nutritional assessment method used. To help patients and to enable health and care professionals to recognize nutritional issues and provide first-line advice supported by downloadable patient fact sheets, the Malnutrition Pathway has developed a new online resource focusing on optimising the nutritional care of patients with cancer, a move warmly welcomed by cancer charities such as the Head and Neck Cancer Foundation. Their CEO is Michelle Vickers. We have a Facebook support group which is patients and family and friends of patients and the biggest factor that we have on there is about food what to cook, how to eat it, how to enjoy it and how to get the best from it. That's the thing is if your food intake is limited, how do you get the best of that? And ability to eat properly and the importance of a nourishing diet is really key to those people. So we absolutely welcome this hugely valuable piece of work. The driving force behind this new resource is the Malnutrition's Pathway Chair, Consultant Dietitian Anne Holdaway. We know at the moment the nutritional care and access to advice, including dietitians, routine during that patient's journey and we know concerns about diet during treatment and beyond can remain overlooked and anxiety around diet just adds to the anxieties they've already got so really that was what drove us to actually create this resource so that patients and family members and healthcare professionals looking after individuals going through cancer treatment can access the resources to help them deal with eating and drinking difficulties. So Anne, what do you cover in this new online resource that you and your colleagues have pulled together from all available evidence for healthcare professionals and patients? We really look at nutrition and dietary advice right across the journey for patients and carers. And so we look at prehabilitation, which is all about just preparing for treatment. So when a person first gets their diagnosis, they're probably thinking, what can I do for myself? As well as actually dealing with that you know, very significant diagnosis that they've had to face. So we cover how to get ready for treatment and then we cover eating well and then we actually have tips around recognising when there are issues around diet, around eating and drinking, what can you actually do about that. So we've got the tips on dealing with the common issues that we see in everyday practice. And just to give some insight into those, that might be dealing with a dry mouth, dealing with a poor appetite, coping with taste changes, coping with swallowing issues, and also what to do if you're very tired and don't feel like shopping and preparing food, how you can help yourself and get others to help you too. So there's sort of top tips in all of those areas. And the idea is that we try and help people to keep as nourished as possible from the start of their journey right along the pathway of care. My grateful thanks to Michelle Vickers from the Head and Neck Cancer Foundation and Anne Holdaway from the Malnutrition Pathway. To access the resources highlighted in this report, log on to our website, www.wordandhealth.com. That's www.wordandhealth.com. You can find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Our address being at Word on Health. Keeping you in touch with the health and lifestyle issues that matter. This is Word on Health with Paul Pennington.